0: Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. My guest today is Laura Legg, who is our Solutions Strategy Director here at Bessler. And Laura is going to talk with us about optimal structures for revenue integrity departments. And if you're working in a hospital, I'm sure uh, you've encountered revenue integrity uh, or maybe working in that type of a department already. Um, it's ha- something that's handled differently uh, throughout different hospitals around the country as we've seen. And so Laura's going to share some of her experience and what works and what doesn't work. So Laura, welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, Mike.
0: So Laura, uh, why don't you for our audience, just briefly go over uh, what revenue integrity is at a sort of a high-end level.
1: I will, Mike. Well, revenue integrity really requires a cultural change. And so we're really talking about people working across the the typical silos we see in a hospital and really uh, working together. So the the main objective of uh, revenue integrity activities is to ensure a clean, complete claim goes out the door. And that revenue captures correct and compliant and that facilities keep the revenue they receive. So it's really a proactive approach that links together revenue cycle, clinical operations and compliance. And the great thing about it, Mike, is that revenue integrity activities benefit patients, facilities and payers.
0: Got it. And Laura, in your experience, what would you say is the basic organizational structure for a revenue integrity department?
1: Well, we see all kinds of sizes and shapes when it comes to revenue integrity, Mike. But typically what we see is a revenue integrity department led by an experienced senior revenue integrity leader who reports directly to the vice president of revenue cycle. Now, depending on the size of the organization, we typically see about two other leadership staff reporting to the revenue integrity leader. Uh, One of those is usually a charge a master subject expert and a team of charge capture auditors and a second team then led by another leader that focuses on training, education and improvement. It's important for all the revenue integrity team to be able to take the lessons they've learned and incorporate them into process improvement. You'll often see titles in revenue integrity focused specifically around denials management charge capture, auditing, and re- and charge master integrity.
0: Okay, so jumping off of what you just said in terms of the titles you might see, uh, what are the main functions of a revenue integrity department?
1: Well, there are a lot of functions of revenue integrity that go clear across the continuum of the revenue cycle. But I'll talk about a few. Uh, I'll start with claim submission, then clinical documentation coding, and then charge capture. So those are three really big functions that almost all revenue integrity departments include. For claims function, we know that before claims are submitted to payers, uh, they need to be tracked to ensure they meet coverage policies. Some payers, for example, require preauthorization of services. So we have to review our local requirements to be sure that our claim submission meets medical necessity. Now for the second one, clinical documentation and coding, well they both require almost constant auditing and educating to keep up with the updates and keep ahead of our payer auditors that are now reviewing for clinical documentation and coding of our claims. And lastly, charge capture, which is a really critical component to ensure payment for services used during procedures and really all services. And we know that correct charge capture can assist with proper coding of procedures.
0: Thanks, Laura. So that's all great background. And let's just take a scenario where a hospital doesn't have a revenue integrity department. Where should someone start who wants to to get one going off the ground?
1: Well, facilities almost always start by looking at their denials. And that will help them identify the areas um, in revenue integrity that they need to focus on. But what what you really need for revenue integrity is a great team around you. And typically I see revenue integrity teams are pretty sparse and there's not a lot of people in facilities yet dedicated to revenue integrity. But if you do get the ability to go into revenue integrity and that's one of your sole responsibilities, you really have to work hard to make sure you understand revenue integrity and you can teach those around you who aren't in revenue integrity. And of course, credibility is huge. If you give the wrong information or pretend you don't know, pretend, that you know something you really don't know and don't do your homework. It can be a real setback if you give wrong information and also it can put your organization at risk. So one thing I've learned, Mike, is it's okay to say I don't know and then go off, do my research and come back.
0: So, Laura, what if you're in a situation where hiring additional FTEs is just not possible? Are there any other approaches a hospital can take?
1: There are, Mike, and and, uh, most of us can't afford to add add FTEs, but if you just uh, bear with me a moment and just think about your revenue cycle in terms of an interdisciplinary team and a kind of assembly line approach, you really can use that approach to take care of patients and produce a clean claim. So that process shouldn't require more FTEs or increased costs. Instead, the process should involve a redistribution of effort from the back end to the front end. FTEs are far more effective in preventing denials than managing already received denials. So focus proactively on pre-services, admissions, places like case management that admit patients, uh, make sure all the necessary paperwork is in place and have the patient placed in the correct status. There may be an overlap in FTEs at the front end is staffed to cover the volumes and while back-end backlogs and denials are worked down, but those should soon balance out. So I recommend that revenue integrity departments have a budget and a revenue integrity plan that's developed and updated every year to set goals for reduction in back-end staff as you receive fewer denials due to your proactive work upfront.
0: Laura, why do you think revenue integrity is on the radar for health organizations right now?
1: Well, I think the reason it's on the radar, Mike, is everybody's trying to increase uh, their revenue and be compliant and lower their risk. So we know we're not in the same industry we were in five years ago. We've gone from rewards for volume to rewards for quality and value. Our new environment is one of managing risk, whether it be from external auditors and denials or from penalties for poor performance or from errors uh, that, cost shrinking margins. So we can control how our internal operations position us to operate under this new environment. The goals of these operations is to reduce risk, maximize margins, and increase value-based rewards. What we're talking about is a cultural revolution in healthcare that brings the clinical functions and financial functions together to ensure revenue integrity. But if a physician does not document the patient's need for care, Or the nurses don't document the vital signs to show how ill the patient was. The risk for a denial is great, no matter what the revenue cycle team does. So we're really dependent on one another for success.
0: Laura, let's talk about uh, how revenue integrity teams operate. Uh, First question I'd like to ask you is, what do you think are some of the keys to having a revenue integrity team communicate effectively?
1: Well, you know, my communication is always a challenge, but especially in revenue integrity because we're not, we're crossing physical locations, we're working with remote staff, and we're trying to break down silos and unite departments and organizations. So communication challenges are always there and they're always gonna be there. So it really takes a great, build, great deal of effort toward team building to break down those silos embrace new challenges, and really to create an atmosphere where people can have success in revenue integrity, where everyone's talking, no one's defensive, but they have common goals with the right team, will move you forward.
0: Laura, can you talk about KPIs that revenue integrity departments should be measuring?
1: I can, Mike, and I'm a real advocate for KPIs. Uh, everywhere across the revenue cycle. And one of the things I used to tell people when I taught was, if you don't have KPIs, it's like playing a football game and nobody keeps score. So you don't really know if they're getting more efficient or not. So your KPIs should be very specific. They should identify risk or operational insufficiencies. And so I'll give a really good example, Mike, of one is pre-services could audit CMS required documents, which is the important message for Medicare. So we know that this form is required to be signed by 100 of the patients 100% of the time. Conversely, if the Medicare uh, managed care uh, is found on Medicare Advantage records, they don't need this important message for Medicare, they're not required to have it. So if your staff are performing unnecessary work, as most of the Medicare Advantage plans don't require the, the important message for Medicare, the KPI should not be measuring that. So really looking at those KPIs close and making sure they're focused on what exactly needs to be done, nothing more, nothing less. So KPI should also identify cross-functional effectiveness. A joint KPI between pre-services and case management for payer off is a good example and it measures authorization obtained prior to treatment or admission and measures the time between the request for clinical information and the time case management fulfills that request. One of the best ways to determine if your organization has control of revenue integrity is through the management of denials and the measurement. High numbers of initial denials require tremendous staffed effort to reduce the likelihood of turning those into final denials. So next is the assessment of the root causes of those denials. Separate the denials into categories that can be tracked and acted on, such as duplicate claims, no authorization, and a denial for medical necessity.
0: So, Laura, let's just talk about some resources um, for revenue integrity professionals for a moment. Uh, What have you found uh, to be a good way to connect with uh, revenue integrity peers?
1: Well, Mike, I was one of the early joiners of the National Association for Healthcare Revenue Integrity, um, and it is a great organization, and it's a great way to develop a network of peers in revenue integrity. The mission of the National Association for Healthcare Revenue Integrity is to enhance the revenue integrity profession through standards, advocacy, networking, promotion, of shared knowledge and resources. And they have, as most organizations do, they have a website, they also have a monthly journal, um, also blogs that you can go in and read about common problems in revenue integrity, so they're a great resource. The other thing is that in 2018, they're having their second revenue integrity Symposium, which brings together training on Medicare billing and compliance, patient status, revenue integrity, case management, coding, and all kinds of revenue integrity functions. Of uh, This year, the symposium is held October 16th through 17th at the Wigwam Resort just outside of Phoenix.
0: And of course, Bessler will be exhibiting there. So if you plan to go, please stop by and see us there. Laura, my final question for you, is there a certification for revenue integrity staff?
1: There will very soon be a certification for revenue integrity, and it is brand new. And the National Association for Healthcare Revenue Integrity is developing a certification in healthcare revenue integrity. They're calling it CHRI, are those initials that some of us have behind our names? Lots of those, but there's going to be one more, and they're gonna. It's going to just provide a baseline of competency for revenue integrity professionals. It's going to be available uh, this fall, uh, fall two thousand. Uh, Eighteen, And if you go ahead and look on the website for the National Association of Revenue Integrity, you can find more information about it, Mike.
0: Thanks, Laura. And uh, for everyone out there, Laura, of course, heads up uh, the revenue integrity efforts uh, here at Bessler. So we would invite you to go and learn more about what Laura and her team are up to and uh, perhaps some additional revenue integrity uh, resources for yourself as well. And they can be found at Bessler.com forward slash R-I. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast.
1: Thank you, Mike. It was my pleasure.
0: If you enjoy the Hospital Finance Podcast, please head up to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a positive review